Today our passage is Second Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to begin by reading the whole chapter. Second <clears throat> Samuel 1. After the death of Saul, David returned from defeating the Amalekites and stayed at Ziglag two days. On the third day, a man with torn clothes and dust on his head came from Saul's camp. When he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. David asked him, Where have you come from? He replied to him, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What was the outcome? Tell me, David asked him. The troops fled in battle, he answered. Many of the troops have fallen and are dead. Also Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead. David asked the young man who had brought him the report, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? Boa, he replied, and there was Saul leaning on his spear. At that very moment, the chariots and the cavalry were closing in on him. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me. So I answered, I am at your service. He asked me, Who are you? I told him, I am an Amalekite. Then he begged me, Stand over me and kill me, for I am mortally wounded, but my life still lingers. So I stood over him and killed him, because I knew that after he had fallen, he couldn't survive. I took the crown that was on his head and the armband that was on his arm, and I've brought them here to my Lord. David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and all the men with him did the same. They mourned, wept, and fasted until the evening for those who had died by the sword, for Saul, for his son Jonathan, the Lord's people, and all the house of Israel. David inquired of the young man who had brought him the report, Where are you from? I am the son of a resident alien, he said. I am an Amalekite. David questioned him, How is it that you were not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David summoned one of his servants and said, Come here and kill him. The servant struck him and he died. For David had said to the Amalekite, Your blood is on your own head because your own mouth testified against you by saying, I killed the Lord's anointed. David sang the following lament for Saul and for his son Jonathan, and he ordered that the Judahites be taught the song of the bow. It is written in the book of Jasher. The splendor of Israel lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Do not tell it in Gath. Don't announce it in the marketplaces of Escalon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, and the daughters of the uncircumcised will celebrate. Mountains of Gilboa, let no dew or rain be on you, or fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer anointed with oil. Jonathan's bow never retreated. Saul's sword never returned unstained from the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty. Saul and Jonathan, loved and delightful, they were not parted in life or in death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul who clothed you in scarlet with luxurious things, who decked your garments with gold ornaments. How the mighty have fallen in the thick of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You are such a friend to me. Your love was more wondrous than the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war have perished.
Let's pray. Lord, today we ask that you open up your word to us, that this is so relevant for today that we see what you have for us as we look at David's lament. Amen. It was just a few years ago where it seemed to me like flags, public flags were always at half mast. Now, when I say this, I don't mean to minimize any of the tragic events that occurred during that time, but during this time, it felt to me that like the half, half mast flag of national mourning was losing its meaning because the flag was just down all the time. You know, grief can be felt or expressed with any loss, whether that loss is real or just a perceived loss, not just in death. And some people are experiencing real grief right now due to isolation. Others feel a real or a felt loss because they feel they lost their freedom. Some people are actually sick. Some people have loved ones who are sick or have died. I think through COVID-19 pandemic, we are entering a time of national grief. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14 tells us of those of us who have faith in Jesus that we don't grieve like the rest of the world who has no hope because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so... Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at David. At times, he grieved, a man after God's own heart. And what lessons do we have for that? And this first one is when he he grieves over the death of Saul and Jonathan. The first thing is there's a public sorrow that's happening here. This is a national time of grieving. David hears and he confirms the news that both Saul and Jonathan have died. He asks this man his report and he wants him to verify his report. And at this time, notice in his grief, David does not take the crown of Saul or the armband. He's not looking to get the spoils or the inheritance of someone who dies. Instead, David goes to mourning. He and all his men, they tear their clothes, which is this this uh, Israelite sign of mourning and grief. It says they mourn, they weep, they cry together. These these warrior men cry together, and they don't eat. They fast until evening. All as signs of their grief. And who do they mourn for? Well, they mourn for everyone who died in the battle. They they mourn for Saul, who is who was the king of Israel, and also to David, his father his father-in-law, and he also treated Saul as his father. They, they lost the Lord's anointed that day. They, they mourned for Jonathan, the prince of Israel, and David's both friend and brother. They mourned for all the people of Israel, um, both the other soldiers that died in the battle, and also this, for many people, this would be a personal loss that they would feel whether they knew Saul personally or honored him as king, or whether one of their relatives was one of the soldiers that also died. They they mourned with all the people who mourned that day. And they mourned for the nation. You know, 
this is a there's a succession plan because David is going to become the next king. But think of the national security issues when when the king is lost and the king is also, along with the priesthood, part of their connection to God. And so, man, maybe they even wonder, are they are they losing their connection to the covenant because the king is God's representative as anointed? I think the last time that we really in the United States had a national time of mourning was September 11th, 2001, when the World Trade Center and other buildings were attacked. That was our national, you know, we all grieved. I remember that next Sunday, you know, all the songs were changed and, and people came to church that hadn't been in a long time. We were all grieving for for days, months even if we didn't lose somebody personally that day. And I think we realized that day that national tragedy is also a personal tragedy for some. And we see in David that grief is both expressive and it's something that's measured. Grief, his grief is not out of control, but it's something he does express. We also see in David that I don't have to grieve alone. David had David took this personally, but he grieved with all his all his men. And we realize that not everyone is at the same place in their grief. You know, David seems to be in this zone of maybe on the stages of grief, depression and acceptance. But other people are probably at different places on this. People had different relationships with King Saul and Jonathan than he did. You know, we think of Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Jesus didn't want to be alone either. He brought his disciples with him to pray, his closest disciples closest to him. Jesus didn't want to be alone as he grieved what was coming. Jesus didn't want to be alone on the cross he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't want his mother and his beloved disciple to be alone. And so he said to John, behold, here's your mother. And to his mother, behold, here's your son. And then from this public sorrow, we see in our story, there's a public sentencing. David further questions this messenger and finds out that he is a foreign enemy, the Amalekites, and this would be someone who maybe wanted King Saul dead. And he took advantage of this opportunity to think, supposedly try and get on the good side of David. He brought David the crown and the, the royal armband. He confirms that this messenger is the one who finally gave the final death blow to Saul. The man said it with his own mouth that he had killed him. And so David sentences him to death for killing the Lord's anointed king. I think before September 11th attack, the last times that we really had a national time of mourning for a leader in the United States, one who didn't die of old age, was in the 1960s. Um, John F. Kennedy in November 1963 when he was assassinated, there was a time of national mourning. And we also think of other assassinations in the 60s. Uh, Malcolm X was assassinated on February 
1965. Now, people had very different uh, opinions and, and feelings about those two men. I chose them on purpose. John Kennedy and Malcolm X, very different men, different agendas for the United States. Um, and yet their death spurred change. You know, before Kennedy died, he was the one who thought that the United States should be the first to get to the moon. And so NASA going to setting the moon program into motion was in part to honor Kennedy. And even though people didn't necessarily agree with the rhetoric of Malcolm X, his death continued to spur change in this country for for rights. And don't worry, I'm not leaving out Martin Luther King Jr. We'll get to him in a moment. And so another thing to remember when we are grieving, you know, Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. You know, I think in some ways this Amalekite, he might have been glad that Saul was dead, and, and that's not the attitude we're supposed to take. Even if somebody's our enemy, we don't rejoice in their death. But at the same time, we see grief needs to move me to some action. Just as David's grief moved him to take care of the justice issue, uh, grief needs to move me to some action. Otherwise, I simply stay in that depression. So grief moves us to action. Jesus didn't stay on the Mount of Olives. He went on to the cross. And so we had this public public, um, public sorrow, and then there's this public sentencing, and then finally there's a public song. David is a songwriter, and he composes the lament. He titles it the Song of the Bow. It's for Saul and Jonathan. And we're not going to take the time today to break down all this whole song. Uh, we, we read it just at the beginning. But David grieves for the loss of his friend and his king. And all the people of Judah have to learn it. It's, this is not David's private grief song. It's a public lament. It's something that everybody, the whole nation learns. And it's written down in a book. Again, I, I mentioned... You know, one other important leader that, that was assassinated in in the 60s, Martin Luther King Jr. on April 4th, 1968. It's how we in the United States memorialize people. We, we remember their birthday. But really, what did Martin Luther King Jr. do on his birthday? You know, he was born. He took a breath. Um, he cried. But we, we really should remember the life and the death, grieve the death as well. His life was more important than his birth. Of course, he wouldn't have, of course, had his life without being born. And then we grieve that death. And so it becomes a public thing when we give somebody a holiday. We don't always give somebody a song, but we give them a holiday. That's in one way our culture is different than David's. But here's the thing. Another way our culture is different is we seem to rarely give people even permission to grieve. You know, it's something that's supposed to be personal and private. But a lament 
is public. It's corporate. And it's vocal. And I think maybe we need that during this time to have a public song, a public remembering. Jesus had at least one public lament. Um, he publicly lamented for Jerusalem. When he came in uh, um, for the uh, Palm Sunday, when we celebrate Palm Sunday, both Luke and Matthew given us count of Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. And here's something that's kind of interesting. It's the same account, but Luke and Matthew give us context, different words of what Jesus said. It's all one thing, and it's one of these rare times where we can put it all together and get a uh, and get a full sense of of what Jesus uh, has said. Luke nineteen forty one through forty four and Matthew twenty three thirty seven through thirty nine says as he approached and saw the city he wept for it saying if you knew this day what would bring peace but is now hidden from your eyes for those days will come when uh, those days will come on you. When your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side, they will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst, because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. And on to Matthew 23, 37 through 39. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The church should publicly lament the same things that Jesus laments. And what Jesus laments is people not recognizing that Jesus is God visiting us to save us. We lament people not seeing who Jesus is. In this time of grief, where people are isolated, people and people still don't know Jesus, it's time for us to grieve together. Let's pray from Psalm 16. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my God. I have nothing good beside you. All my delight is in you. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. But you are my portion and my cup, my blessing, and you hold my future. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, but you will reveal the path of life to me. In your presence there is abundant joy, and at your right hand are eternal pleasures. Lord, today, let us weep with each other the losses that we have, and remember the hope we have in you. Amen.